Hey, winner. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad that you're here with me today because we have a powerful story to talk about. What do you do when you learn that your child is going to struggle with a physical challenge throughout her life? As a mother of two daughters with hearing loss, Julie Jones knew her journey was going to be a different one. She wanted to share her story in the book, The Lemonade Stand 2, From Sour to Sweet, An Alchemy of Extraordinary Virtue, in hopes of helping other parents deal with the emotional and mental struggle when learning their child has a physical challenge. Julie has 26 years of experience raising two daughters with hearing impairment and seeing them grow into happy, productive adults. Julie has been an entrepreneur for 18 years, sharing her passions with others. She has a business helping business owners with their follow-up so they can build better relationships, get more referrals, and nurture the relationships with the customers they already have. Julie is a co-leader for a networking group called Experience Connections and a team member with Master Networks, a networking organization. Having her own personal health issues, Julie believes that health and wellness are important and is always interested in learning ways to help herself and others. She enjoys hiking with her husband, going to concerts with her best friend, exploring new places and restaurants, reading, and movies. I believe you're going to love our conversation as we talk about what stepping into the fire was like for her, how she found victory in this journey, and how it's been a continual battle she's had to face. Let's get chatting. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for joining me on Red Hot Mindset. I'm excited to share your story with my audience. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get um, going, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about you and your family so we can get to know you better. Okay. Well, I have two girls. They're 25 and 27. They're both married. And my husband um, and I have been married 32 years. I um, was pretty much a stay-at-home mom um, while they were growing up. Uh, And I tried to go back into um, working uh, about three or four years ago and got my license to be an insurance agent and then I got laid off last year so um, I realized I didn't really like insurance that I preferred mortgage banking which is what I used to do before the kids were born and so the last year I just um, decided to to write the book and I had always wanted to and well write my chapter anyways so it was just a good opportunity to to take that time to finally get the story out there so that I could help other people. Mm, I love it. And that's, that's the power of our stories. Our stories are really an encouragement and inspiration for others to know that uh, what they're walking through right now is not something that hasn't been walked through before. And they're not alone. And I think that your story really signifies that it's really powerful 
And it's a powerful uh, testimony of advocating for your children. Um, now, I know that your story begins when you found out about a physical challenge one of your daughters would be facing. Can you just share a little snippet of that story with us? And how sure. It well, when Ashley was little, she wasn't really talking. Uh, she's probably about a year and a half old. And I noticed uh, other kids her age were saying words and pointing to things and saying what they were. And I just didn't understand what was going on with Ashley. A hearing test um, revealed that she had... Um, it's called a sensory neural hearing loss. And so I just didn't know anything about that because nobody in our family had a hearing loss. I didn't know what to do. Uh, the um, ENT says that she could have hearing aids. Well, we got the hearing aids and she didn't really want to put them on because she was two. And so we struggled with that. Um, it was just really hard for me. I went through the whole thing, like why my child? Um, so I ended up uh, getting some in, information from the hospital when they uh, had given her some of the tests. And the one option that I chose was where someone would come to the home for one hour a week. And I thought, well, that's great because I was pregnant and um, with my second child and just thought that would be um, a great option for us. Well, the lady that came to the house, she says, one hour a week is not going to be enough. Mm. So then I had to continue to find other options. And I was told to just um, go out and um, just observe other different kinds of places because with the hearing loss, there's so many different um, methodologies out there and not everybody agrees with just one option. So I, I, after observing all of them, I found the place that I knew was gonna be the best for her and that's where they, um, they pretty much just use the hearing aids and talking to the children is and not sign language. And I really like that option because I thought if my kids grow up, you know, they're not going to even be able to talk, order cheeseburger at McDonald's because no one's going to be under, going to understand the sign language. And that's fine if that works for people. But for me, I just was, it just kind of scared me a little bit. So the Atlanta speech school where they went um, they said, if you're paying attention to someone's hands, you're using your eyes, you're not using your ears to hear them. So they taught the girls how to talk and how to speak. I mean, right, how to listen with their hearing aids and how to talk. And then eventually the girls had to get cochlear implants, which actually was even better for them. And so I went back and forth to Atlanta every day for five years, took a baby and a toddler in the beginning an hour away in rush hour traffic. And sometimes I made two trips to Atlanta because the girls were on different schedules. And so um, anyways, about my other daughter, they told me to just have her tested. And I didn't think anything was wrong because they tested her in the hospital and they said that she could hear when she was born. But by nine months old, um, it was around the time that they were telling me at the school to have her tested. I finally just went into her room one morning and she couldn't hear me. I noticed because she wasn't looking at me and that I knew that something was wrong, but I had been through all the testing and knew exactly what I needed to do. So I had a lot more confidence the second time around. And I was telling the doctors what tests I wanted and I wanted hearing aids right away. And so the first time around was a little bit emotional, especially when someone tells you, you know, your child may eventually be deaf. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was 
it was not not fun in the beginning, that's for sure. But once I found the school and uh, saw the progress that the kids made, it took Ashley like six months to be able to even say her first word. Mm. But you think that, oh, she gets hearing aids, she's going to be able to talk. Well, no, it, it took her that long to be able to learn the word first and then to be able to say it. So, yeah. And that, I mean, so when she was born, do, do the doctors think she couldn't hear anything starting when she was born or was it slowly a loss for her? Well, they didn't really test when Ashley was born. It was in um, January of 94. They didn't test test the children for hearing then. So the only way that I knew is just when she was getting over the age of one, that she wasn't talking. Mm-hmm. And um, so I really must just had to pretty much just, you know, rely on the ENT doctor for, um, you know, for advice. And it was just really hard because I didn't even know what to do. Yeah. Well, with, I, with no one in my family being deaf, you know. Right. And a new mom, not, I mean, no one tells you this is what you're looking for or these things. Like, you don't expect these things. It's definitely a, a circumstance that you're facing that you wasn't expected. You don't go into motherhood saying, I think I'm going to have a, my, my kid's going to have a physical issue, right? Um, that you're struggling with. Um, what, as, as you learned about Ashley's um, hearing loss and uh, knew that this would be a journey you'd have to embark on, what were some of the emotions or fears that were going through your mind initially? Well, I felt inadequate because I didn't know what I was doing. Fear of the unknown because I didn't know anything about it. Um, the whole pity party about, you know, why my child and um, just wasn't what I had to plan because I was a big planner ever since I, you know, graduated from high school, I, I knew exactly what my next goal was. And then I got it and I got my own apartment before I got married. And, um, there's just, you know, different things that I had planned for my life that I was like, Hey God, this wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> right. I can laugh about it now, but at the time I was just, just devastated. Mm. So I can imagine, especially as a planner, how that feels. Right, right. And there was a poem that I read that actually kind of helped me out. And I don't know who the author was, but it had something about when you get on an airplane that you um, are thinking you're going to Italy with your friends. Then you end up being on the airplane going to um, Ireland. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. You know, this wasn't where I thought I was going, but you end up finding beautiful things in Ireland just as much as that you would have in Italy. So Uh, that kind of helped explain it a little bit. Like I could accept it. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good analogy for it because our plans definitely don't always probably never turn out exactly how we want. Um, God's plans are just so much bigger and we can't really see them. We don't really see the outcome. And we wonder, like, why are you putting me through this? This is not where I wa- wanted to be. Like, I even think about that when um, I graduated from college. I had planned on being independent and moving to Chicago or New York and being a broadcaster, a sports broadcaster, and all the things that I had planned. Well, I ended up getting married right out of college and finding out we were having a kid the next year. Um, and that was definitely not in my plans. I was like, I'm totally good single and all these things. But, but then you look back like hindsight is 2020 and you look back and see what God has done in your life and the blessings that have been in there. And 
you almost feel more grateful for life or for, and I have an appreciation for it um, because we didn't see it in the midst of it, but now we can look back and go, okay, his plans are good and he knows what he's doing. So I just need to stick with where he's going and be okay with the flexibility, you know, and being flexible in our plans. So one thing I think was really neat is you didn't live in Georgia um, initially. So when your husband, your husband found a job and you guys moved to Georgia and you didn't realize what kind of a blessing that would be. Um, how, how did you see God directing that move? Well, once I found the Atlanta speech school, I just knew that it was a blessing because from where I'm, I live, it, they didn't have those kind of schools there. And for us to have already been here, we were like maybe 20 miles from the school. And I just don't believe in coincidences. You know, how could we have been that close to that school that was best for my kids? You know, it had to have been a, a God plan. Oh, yeah. Because there aren't that many schools. I mean, how many schools are there like that in the nation? Are there many? There's not many. There's some places that want to do total communication, which is using um, the way that, you know, we, we did, but also doing sign language also. Um, so I, I just think the girls are, have done so well that people don't even know that they have a hearing loss. Wow. So it just, just seems like God just took care of the, the situation. Like here, this is what I'm giving you and it's going to be okay. And it was. Yeah. That's so neat. So now I know it didn't happen initially. It took, I mean, it took six months for Ashley to say her first word, um, what was that process like? How long did it take for you to really start seeing the results and seeing um, your girls being able to hear and speak? Well, um, one thing that we did every time that we came home from somewhere, we had a split level home. So every time we would come home, we would go up the stairs. So every stair step, I would say up, up, up. And if I said up, I knew Ashley could understand it. So that's the first thing is they have to actually understand the word. And then six months later, we were coming up the stairs and then she just says up, up, up. That was her first word. So just going to the, the speech school and just seeing the things that she was learning every day also at school really gave me hope too. And, and then she did so well that she ended up moving up to um, another class um, where the kids were saying three word sentences. And so then once she got in there, she just took off. So it was just always encouraging. And then being around other parents there at the school, you, you know, you'd see people coming and going, you know, when they drop off their kids and everything. And then I got involved in um, the PTA and I ended up working there eventually for credit towards tuition because it wasn't cheap. And we actually did get a scholarship too. I think they felt bad for me because I had two kids that needed to be there. <laughs> um, but anyways, just being around the teachers too, who were amazing. It just, it was encouraging. And then I listened to um, praise and worship songs on the way to the school too. And, that, and then I um, started doing a Bible study too. So just filling um, my whole being just with, the music and the Bible study, I think, helped get me through it too. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew that I wasn't alone 
Um, I knew God would give me strength. And I just really clung to a couple Bible verses that meant something to me. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Um, can you recall either of the, any of the Bible verses that really stuck with you? Um, the one is out, God will give you strength. I think it's Philippians. I'm not sure what it is now. And the other one is something about, I won't, or that God won't, won't forsake us. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. I don't remember them. Oh gosh. I have a hard time remembering references. I can, I can tell you what the verses are, but I'm like, I don't remember where to find it though. I just read it yesterday. (laughs) I have it written down somewhere. Yeah. I love it. So now that your girls are grown up, um, what are, how, how do they feel like in the midst of it all, looking back, um, do they have anything that they've learned too? Or have you, have you had those conversations about what it was like for them? They, um, don't know anything different really. Um, but they're very thankful. Um, I was really kind of, um, nervous about getting the cochlear implants for them because I didn't want them to resent me when they got older because I did that because they have to have um, a magnet on their head about up to here and then they behind their ear they have a processor and then they have um, parts in the, the cochlea too but the outside pieces I was worried about how they would feel around you know what other kids and when they started dating and, you know, being different and that kind of thing. But Heather never really cared. She actually ended up getting a second implant in her other ear when she was in middle school. And that was her choice. She mm-hmm. wanted to, to get all the information that she could. It's like surround sound. She, <laughs> I love she it. just didn't want to miss out on anything. Ashley's a little bit more shy. So like with Heather, she put her hair in ponytails and didn't care who saw. And then Ashley being more shy, she always had her hair covering um, the processors. So I know I did that um, because I, when I was, kind, I was kind of struggling about whether or not they should have the surgery to hear better. And when I was praying, God just said to me, do what's best for them, not you. Mm-hmm. And that just made all the difference. Like I felt like God was really telling me that it was okay. It was, um, not an easy choice, um, but I'm so glad because they can hear so much better than they could with hearing aids, and it's just made a a, a big difference. Yeah. difference. yeah. Do what's best for them, not for you. Wow. Right. And I was scared because it was surgery. I mean, I know people freak out when their kids just have a have tubes put in their ears because they're going to be asleep for a little bit with you know the anesthesia. And I remember that both of my girls had had tubes. I remember how scary that was, but this was major. Um, So I was just fearful um, because they're my babies. You know, I don't want somebody cutting into their their heads. Um, But that just took all the the fear away. And when I I pray, so. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, the selflessness of it. And um, just knowing what kind of an impact it, it could have either way. And all the things that you had to sacrifice too, to make sure that they were getting to school every day and to the treatments that they needed and just really, really advocating for them and um, to see where they're at now and what kind of an impact you made in their lives as their mother and as their advocate. Um, Cause now your girls are both married 
and have careers of their own. But I, I know that doesn't come without uh, more challenges because I know that um, one of your daughters is facing more challenge um, and you're working through those, that, that right now. Um, can you share a little bit about that with us? Well, Ashley had a blood, blood clot a couple months ago and she was put in the hospital for about three weeks. And because she had so much fluid, spinal fluid in her head, which we didn't know about that was backing up. So we don't know if the fluid caused the blood clot or if the blood clot caused all the fluid, but basically an eye doctor told us that if we didn't get all that fluid off of her optic nerve, that she could be blind. So they immediately did that. Uh, this was the second hospital that we went to. The first hospital, I feel like they messed up big time by not taking care of the situation. Um, the other hospital I went to, they are phenomenal in Atlanta. And um, they they had to put a shunt. They did the spinal tap and they did put a shunt in so that she didn't have any more problems in the future with that. But basically it it damaged her uh, optic nerves. So she has a problem seeing right now. She can see enough to get around. Um, you wouldn't really know that anything's wrong with her, but if you see her eye tests and you hear her talking, uh, it's, it's very upsetting. We don't know until September whether or not this is permanent damage, but since the um, spinal tap relieving all that pressure, she has had some vision come back to her right eye but she can't see peripheral she can't see like beside her or like from here down and um recently we went to a park that she loves to go to because there's a trail right beside the lake and she always loves looking at that lake well this last time we went which is the first time since all this happened she was walking by the lake and she couldn't since she can't see on this side she couldn't see the lake and she got really quiet and i didn't understand what was going on and so I asked her, she says, I can't see the lake. Mm -hmm. So um, we turned around and came back the opposite direction. And that was better for her, but still she doesn't have depth perception either. So she can't go back to work as a hairstylist right now because um, she can't see well enough to do the job that she could before. She was very talented, I believe. Um, doing highlights and just knowing exactly what colors to use and when and um it's very frustrating for me as a mom because i feel like she's already had to, the hearing loss she dealt with anxiety and depression in high school i had to homeschool her actually mm -hmm. and um i never chose to do that but that's what was best for her and i'm glad i could do that well i shouldn't say i did that i took her out of school because um I didn't agree with some things at the school system. They thought it was a behavioral issue, but it wasn't. She was having panic attacks. And um, anyway, that's a whole other story, maybe for another book. But, uh, um, but anyway, she's just had so many other things going on in her life that I just don't understand why she's having one more thing. She was planning on having a baby and... Um, and then this happened. So maybe it was a blessing that we found out that there was a problem now before, you know, um, she got pregnant. So I know that there's probably reasons and blessings down the road, but I just don't see it right now. So I'm kind of in um, 
in a grieving process because something's wrong with my child. You know, she had a job, she got married, but now she can't drive. Um, but I take her to her doctor's appointments and to the grocery store and stuff like that. And I'm thankful that, that I can right now. And then I have a car that's decent that, you know, that I'm just trying to think of po the positive things and trying to not lose hope and yeah. faith. I mean, I'm trying to have faith and try and I'm trying to be positive. Mm -hmm. and, and it's hard to see, you know, it's hard to see that positive or to see the light when you're in the middle of the giant, right? When you're trying to slay that giant and it's there and it's standing in the way, especially when it's your kid, because I mean, it's just the love that we have for our kids and how we want the best life for them. And then seeing them face another trial and another struggle, and especially a huge one. You know, it's not just a little, a little bump in the road. This is a life-changing trial. And, um, and again, it's the, it's not where are you God, but it is, what are you doing with this? Because we can't see it. Right. And um, I just, and this is something, and one of the reasons why I wanted you to share this, and I thank you for sharing this and being vulnerable with us is that just because we overcome one struggle doesn't mean that we won't have more. And a lot of times um, we're tested in the same area multiple times um, and whatever our um, testimony is or whatever our, what we're doing, like how we're advocating and all those things, that's where we're going to get, we're going to get um, tested or, or the trials are going to come because the enemy's trying to steal our joy. And um, it's a matter of what we do with that. And it's, it sounds like um, even though it's very hard and you're still working through it, that you are choosing to find the joy and to find those little blessings that you can cling to as you're walking through this with her. If you are interested in hearing these stories I'm sharing more in depth, you need to pick up a copy of the Lemonade Stand 2 Anthology. This series is a powerful testimony of others willing to step up and share their stories for emotional growth and inspiration. I had the privilege to be a part of Book Two, which is a collective of narratives of true everyday heroes who show you how to stand in your power, find the courage to seek truth, and reveal your authentic self. I wrote the Running For My Life chapter because we need to have more open conversations about mental health. Too many young souls are falling culprits to depression or suicide in this noisy world. I decided it was time to open up and share my story. I dealt with severe depression and anxiety in early adulthood, and through personal development, mentorship, and my deep faith, I was able to take back my life and come off all medications. It's hard to be vulnerable in this area that is usually filled with much shame and guilt, and I didn't want to end up back in that place by drying out all the emotions I knew would come out as I wrote, but I knew it was time. It was time to share the story I've hidden for years in an effort to help and support anyone else who may be dealing with negative thoughts or feelings that are spiraling them down into a dark place. There is hope and light in the midst of darkness. Are you in the midst of a struggle of your own? Pick up a copy of this book to find encouragement, inspiration, and motivation to move forward into your breakthrough. Our stories are meant to be shared. Head to www.redhotmindset.com to snag your signed copy of the Lemonade Stand 2. Are there any other ways that you are seeing God working in the midst of this? Um, well, when she first got out of the hospital, she could only see in her out of her right eye like the size of um, looking for a straw. 
So there was one day we were sitting at the doctor's office and she grabbed my arm and she's like, mom, I can see better out of that eye. And I guess she, since we were waiting on the doctor, um, she's got a neurologist, an eye specialist, and um, a hematologist who's giving her um, the blood thinner. So like the first two weeks out of the hospital, I think she had a doctor doctor's appointment almost every day, but one. So now it's not quite so often, thank goodness. So um, back to your question. I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> uh, no, it was just, that how are you, how are you seeing God working in the midst of this? Oh, I'm sorry. So um, Facebook is, is actually one blessing that um, I didn't have before when the girls were little is that I can have people praying for her. And I've asked people to put them on their prayer chains and um, just the support that I've gotten from people. I mean, I'm getting for support from my family and friends too, but I just have that many, much more people out there praying for her. So that first opening that she had in her eye, it's probably about like this big, like right in the middle of her eye that came back um, at that moment when she told me, cause she was going like this while we were waiting on the doctor, you know, she was just testing each eye, you know, and that's when she realized, Oh, oh I can see out of that eye a little bit better. Oh. And then I don't know, a couple of weeks later, there was just a little bit more of an opening above that that came back. And then um, one other time, I think the end of May that another little opening came back around that time, but she's had a CT scan and they um, said that there's no more swelling on the optic nerves, which is great. So um, I'm just trying to be, you know, hopeful that God's going to answer our prayers and let her have even more to see. I don't know if this is it, but I'm trying to be thankful. And I'm trying to keep her positive too. I've been taking her to friends that have different practices like reflexology, where they can focus just on one certain part that's good for the optic nerve. Um, I'm taking her to get a massage on Friday, you know, anything that's going to help her with stress um, and that kind of thing. I'm trying to find out what vitamins, you know, that could be helpful for her. Um, I'm just trying all kinds of, of things yeah. um, and just trying to keep her busy too. I don't like that she um, is not working right now because she doesn't have that support. I mean, she does, you know, she can text her friends and everything, but she's not there every day w around people. So I try to take her um, out like we have a, neighborhood swimming pool so I've been taking her swimming in a couple of days and like that one day I said we walked at the at the lake that didn't go as planned <laughs> I didn't want her to get upset but just I'm just her support system right now her husband has been great too but you know he works three yeah. And I love that you get to be her support system. I'm sure that's a blessing for you in itself that you have that time to be able to invest in her. Um you know, now looking back as we're kind of wrapping up, this is, it's so encouraging just to hear stories. And this is why I do what I do, because I want to share struggle victory stories. And sometimes we're still in the midst of the struggle and we're working to see the victory. Um, but it's just as good for us to know that we're not alone and that we can make it through and that God sees us 
and that God will use whatever circumstances we have in our life uh, for his glory if we allow him to. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. And sometimes it's hard to see that, but it can work out for the good. Um, throughout this whole journey, what, what is one of the biggest lessons that you learned? Just to have more faith in God, which is hard right now. I mean, I do have faith, but this new struggle has been really difficult. But during this whole time, you know, actually, I journaled about this yesterday that God um, gave us the issue with the girls having the hearing loss. But look what all he did. He provided that school. Um, he provided the cochlear implants and our insurance paid for it, which is another blessing. Um, it was like a $50,000 surgery. Um, and they're okay now, as far as the hearing goes. So if he did that, He's going to do the same for her, for her eyesight. I, I, I don't know what, what the future holds, but um, I'm just clinging to, um, to what he's done for us and has blessed us. And I know he hasn't forsaken us. Like I said earlier, I can't remember the verse, but it's hard. Yeah. And, and my dad died almost a year ago too. So having both things to deal with right now, it hasn't been a good year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This last year was an interesting year for everybody um, with all, all the different struggles, job losses and losses of loved ones and, and the things that you're struggling with. And um, it is, it's having that faith and having that hope to go along with it. Um, how good is our God that we have that and that we can cling to him because without him, I don't know where we would cling. Um, so what a lesson to be learned. I, and you were able to write a chapter in the lemonade stand too to share your story and what an impact that's going to have on so many people. And the fact that you were willing to be used to do that, um, that is just a victory in itself because I know how hard it is to share vulnerable stories and um, because you're opening yourself up to others and opening yourself up to criticism or all the things. And mm -hmm. just the fact that we have to be okay with not fearing people and listening to what God is directing us to do. So um, Julie's story is a inspirational tearjerker in the Lemonade Stand 2 anthology. So I definitely recommend you picking up a copy of it. Mm -hmm. um, you can find it on my website on www.redhotmindset.com. If you scroll to the books and, um, and click the tabs, you'll find that book there. It's on Amazon. You can just search for it as well. Um, but uh, Julie, before we wrap up, uh, what is a way that listeners can connect with you? I have a Facebook account. It's uh, facebook.com slash Julie MJ. And then there's a slash um, for Julie A, <clears throat> excuse me, it's J-U-L-I-E. And then A for my middle initial, Jones, J-O-N-E-S, 99 at gmail.com. Wonderful. And I'll leave those links in the show notes so they're easy, easily accessed. Um, okay. But next week, you want to make sure to come back because Julie is going to share with us how we can be advocates for our children and why we need to be. Um, as you've heard in her story, 
she has sacrificed so much to be an advocate for her kids. And she knows exactly what it means to do this. She knows what it means to fight for what you need, even when others might not realize that's what it is. She knew, she knew what was best for her family and she fought until she got it. And she's going to share with us some tips on how to do that. Um, another thing, if you are listening right now, add Ashley to your prayer chain too. And let's get this prayer chain going and let's believe in the healing for her eyesight and just see God work because God can do amazing things. You are not going to want to miss next week. So make sure you come back. Um, in all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.